0: Welcome to episode 53 of Slaytanic Bearcast. I'm Mo from France and to my west, broadcasting live from... Doesn't matter this week actually, Doc, because we're going to do things a little bit differently. Guys, quick heads up. We've already recorded this episode and we fucked up. Didn't record it. So kind of spent two hours, two and a half hours together, enjoying each other's company, only to discover at the end that there was no file to edit to produce a podcast. Now here's what happened. The doc was absolutely livid. He was furious with me and he pinned me up against the wall, you know, with with one of his many tentacles. pinned me up, I mean, I I, I don't think he he quite understands human anatomy anymore because because he's no longer corporeal and almost crushed my neck. Um, I was quivering and he screamed in my face, if you ever, ever, ever do that again, I'm quitting the show. Doc, I understand your anger.
1: I get it, mate. It it was a shit show, wasn't it, really? Um, Well, it it was a really, really good one. Um, Yeah. We we, we can say that. We we can say this because it's now sort of completely lost to the ether. (laughs) Um, And probably only the NSA have a recording of it. NSA, guys, if you're out there and you want to do some whistleblowing and let us have a copy of it, we'd we'd love to have one because it was a great show and we were really proud of it. Absolutely, yeah, Um, absolutely. It's like the lost, you know, the lost episode, basically. Definitely. Um, When you talked about sort of um, pinning you up against the wall with one of my tentacles, um, I I feel that, just a small correction, it was some of my tentacles. Oh, sorry. in In my absolute terror, it was hard to tell. Yeah, um... I was uh, When you said that, I was reminded of uh, a great interview with Count Grishnach um, that he did from uh, from in prison. And the journalist sort of said, well, it, no one's ever asked your side of the story about what happened the night you brutally murdered your best friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, uh, Count Grishnach, what oh, are uh, the uh, two corners the foreigner with his sinister foreign accent, just like Zed, um, uh, so it came out with a great statement. Um, and he said, um, I believed he was going to draw a knife, so therefore I drew some of mine. <laughs> 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 a fabulous plural. <laughs>
0: Deployed, yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, Jesus Christ. So, so the plan is, guys, you know, we're... we're, we're we're not gonna mess around basically. What what we didn't want to do was you know kind of pretend that the, the technical snafu hadn't happened and try you know try and replicate the episode because I mean certainly me, I can't speak on the doc's behalf, but I certainly felt that just come on, come off as like phony and inauthentic. And you know, the people that have stuck with us for 50 odd episodes, you know, you guys know us by now. And I thought I think you'd have heard like the bullshit in our voices basically. So fuck that. What we're gonna do instead, we're gonna kind of drop all pretense of format we just kind of we're just going to listen to the track it's a great track we're just going to listen to the track we're going to do the usual thing stop it from time to time and talk about it we're going to dissect the lyrics like we normally do and then we're going to give the verdict at the end but all of the usual stuff the waffle the bit that you guys probably all skip at the beginning anyway we're not going to bother recording in the first place that's about right isn't it doc
1: yeah, I mean, um, if, if we attempted to, to recreate the magic, um, we, we would. We'd feel like frauds. Yeah. Because um, you can't replicate genius, can you?
0: No, exactly. Exactly that, Doc. And we want to keep it fucking real. So should we do that, Doc? Should we get straight into the track? <laughs> Welcome to part 1.5 of the show Um, Here we're just going to listen to the track And pause it from time to time and tell you our thoughts Tonight's track is of course track 3 from Seasons in the Abyss And it is Spirit in Black Here we go (laughs) dirty it and dark it's venomous. fuck
1: i think oh definitely yeah. um i don't think we've heard slayer like um lean on venom for mm. quite a while have we
0: mm, i don't know i don't think so i, th- I think you're kind of
1: going back to um, what hello eight um i think there's some venomy bits on rain and blood fair enough uh-huh yeah um can't think of any other top of my head but i'm i'm confident there are some venom-y bits uh, um, in in, in Raided Blood, but it's been a while, and it's a welcome return. Mm -hmm. It's a great intro. Um, In a later episode, uh, probably when we're a bit further into the album, um, one thing I want to do is a a story so far and and where Slayer are at in their progression as a band, and in their career, and what they're trying to do with this album and how well they're succeeding. Mm. Um, But not this time. I think we'll probably leave that till the end of side one.
0: Fair enough, Doc. Fair enough. Let's press on. Welcome to my world. Involve yourself within my dream. Experience the life just like you might not now to be. It's pacey, but yeah, somehow, something about the riffs and that guitar sound, it's, it kind of sounds sludgy at the same time. It, I think it's a great combo.
1: Yeah, um, so what do you think they've done to the guitars to, to to increase that sludginess? They're not down-tuned any more than normal, are they? No, no, certainly not. No, th- th- This album is definitively at uh, D-sharp all the way through, yeah. Yeah. Um so it's there just a bit more bottom end on it or have they turned the bass up? I I, I just I, I just think it's something to do with with the style of that riff.
0: Um it the kind of double stroking double stroking the uh palm muting and double strumming it. You know, so you have got that lovely like, up down effect on it. Um and and, and and just that combination of those little lead lines to something about, and and maybe it's the words I'm talking. Obviously, we'll get onto the words in, in the next part of the show. But just, you know, just the nature of the lyrics that that are accompany accompanying it, you know, just gives you that kind of sense of something, you know, something kind of hellish and brimstoneish, and you know, just somewhere kind of dank and evil, basically.
1: Yeah, um the music marks a return to Slayer. Has been absent for really, really quite a long time. Mm. Um, This is fun to listen to. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, I admire Slayer for many, many things, not least their brutality, their intensity, um, their speed, their precision. But they're not. Rain and Blood um, and South of Heaven are not albums I particularly go to for good times. This sounds fun. I think you could bop to this. I think I think you could fill a dance
0: floor dance floor with this, and people could just have a good time bopping. And I'm, I'm deliberately using that word. They
1: can bop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I uh, it doesn't particularly make you want to slam, does it? No. No. It, it, it's not a slammer, but it, it, it does not mean it's not
0: great. Here we go. <laughs> But we we, we played the solo game, but of course we've already done it, but we did do it about a week and a half ago, Doc. Now, be honest, can you remember?
1: No. Name that solo. Um, I'm going to say that's Kerry King.
0: And you'd be wrong, Doc, so you obviously can't remember. That's a Hanneman. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he, 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 um, he, he does not learn. He does not learn. Um, I am rapidly coming to the conclusion that uh, that there is no way to tell. Mm. Um, if there ever was, there, Slayer are, are, are now at a point where, um, you know, it, it's, it's that lovely point in, in, in a relationship that, that, that two men who love each other very much get to, where they can finish each other's sentences.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right, Doc. We've been there for a while, haven't we, Doc? So we understand how it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, we of course can finish each other's ejaculations. <laughs> that's right <laughs> absolutely
0: um, right we can, yeah, exactly we can finish um, each other's whatever you want to whatever you want to call yeah. it at the end there
1: correct um uh, and i mean obviously um as listeners of this podcast will know already we both ejaculate copiously mm. um,
0: yeah, and frequently to be honest
1: yeah particularly in each other's company
0: I wondered what what the last word was going to be there, Doc. It's going to be a very interesting end to that sentence. Here we go, Doc. <laughs> Oh, just that little pause there from Dave, and that little tch, tch, on the fucking hi hats, man alive! I love Dave Lombardo.
1: Well, uh, Dave is—I uh, um, believe what Smash Hits would have said um, when you know, if I'm sure Smash Hits did write of that Slayer a lot, yeah, of course, um, just not in the bits that anyone remembers. Um, but um, I think um, what Smash Hits would have said about this was, Dave, he's back, back. Back. (laughs) I I, I tell you what, I've got to listen to that again, Doc. I'm I'm just going to run that back about ten seconds. Here we go.
0: hit the accelerator pedal haven't they i mean i it is this faster than one ensemble doc it, is this the fastest they've been since raining blood what do you reckon did, did, did anything on south of heaven hit this velocity i, I don't know the answer oh, i haven't got uh, like a beatometer mm, on me
1: mm, i don't think anything on south of heaven got this fast mm. here is a thing i don't know whether they've got to be even better musicians than they were on rain and blood mm. but this Technically, I know it's faster, but it doesn't feel faster than Rain and Blood. Um, I think because it's so much more together, mm-hmm. just more controlled. You think? There were parts, the parts of Rain and Blood that I really like are where they're pushing the envelope so hard that some of the songs, in fact, some of the songs don't hold together completely. Mm-hmm. There are some bits on, particularly on Raining Blood, um, on the final track. Yeah. Where it, it's, it's actually, it's threatening to come to pieces. Sure, yeah. Well, um, there, 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 There's a track
0: coming up on the next album, actually. I, I won't reveal which track it is, but there is definitely a track on the Divine Intervention album, which I, I think sees them exceed their capability of speed. So it'll be interesting when we get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so I don't think they're going any faster than anything on Rain and Blood. Um, they might not even be going as fast but it doesn't seem as breakneck, it doesn't seem as frenetic, mm. uh, because I think they've just got better. Yeah,
0: no, I, I think that's a fair point, Doc, I think it's a fair point we've got about a minute and a quarter left um, should we play it out, oh no actually we have just about one of the greatest Slayer solos of all time to come so let's let's get to that point, then we'll chat about that here we go be me You know, how fucking good is that? I mean, I know it's a real basic bloke kind of question, but how good is that solo, Doc?
1: Um, Well, let's have a think about it. How good is it? Um, it's good enough, I think, pretty much to have inspired Carcass to make a whole entire album. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Uh-huh. You're talking um, swan
0: song there. No, not swan song. Um, heart work, aren't you?
1: Um, Well, I was thinking of uh, Rika Putrefaction, actually. Um, Oh, really? solo uh that solo section is pretty much where a good 50 percent of that whole entire album comes from Mm, um mm. i mean that use of the the very slight use of the harmonizer um on the guitar um that uh, i mean that descending cadence that begins the second part of the solo um that is the absolute definition of morbid melody with salt mm-hmm. to taste, is not it? Mm-hmm. I, I think the reason I reached to heart work before
0: kind of Rikaputrafaction is just—it's just like the, the the level of melody. I don't think of Rikaputrafaction and think about melody, whereas you know, like the Heartwork album is just fucking dripping with melody.
1: Yeah, how long has it been since you've listened
0: to the Um, Oh, I mean, it's—it's got to be
1: fifteen years, Doc. To be honest with you. Yeah, um, I listen to... It's one of those albums I listen to about once a year. Yeah. And um, I, think you, I think there's been a question of the week that you've asked me about this at least once. Like, um, is there an album that's basically taken you a really, really long time to get into?
0: Mm.
1: And, and if I didn't mention that one, which I don't believe I did, then I should have done. Because sure. it, probably took, it probably took me 20 years to really get into the album. And mm. um, once you make it past the production And once you make it past the the compositional style, yeah, um, I'm using the word compositional style about the second (laughs) Carcass album. Then um, there's so many beautiful melodies and um, really, really carefully thought out uh, harmonic parts. Mm. Um, There are even, there are actually, if you can believe this, there are vocal harmonies. He's on it
0: mm, well it, 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 it's a funny thing isn't it you know because, i mean maybe in my head i'm i'm kind of unfairly dismissing it you know because I, I do think about you know these you know these kind of um almost like precursor, not not pre no no not like precursor or progenitor bands but you know I, I kind of think of Carcass, obviously napalm death bolt thrower you know and and and, and you know their their kind of first album or their second albums I do kind of dismiss them a little bit in my head. You know what I mean? Bolt throw. What's it called? In in battle, there is no law. In battle, there is
1: no law. That's it.
0: Yeah. See, so battle there is no law You know I kind of think It's a bit unlistenable You know uh, sympathies of Sickness Do I ever want to listen To that again Probably not is it is it scum the first napalm death album was or, or is that a track Well, that's you that's you suffer but why isn't it <laughs> uh, yeah um yes. yeah, yeah, yeah um but, but but you take my point and <clears throat> yeah that's, that's, you know so maybe i do need to go back and listen to rica putrefaction you know based on what you're saying there Doc. that's really interesting i'm going to run this back about 20 seconds because i want to listen to that fucking solo again and i don't give a damn what the world thinks <laughs> So there we go, track three from Seasons in the Abyss, which is, of course, Spirit in Black. Doc, I think it's an absolute nailed-on Stonewall
1: fucking Slayer classic. I love it, Doc. It's up there. I mean, if listeners, if that is not one of your top three favourite Slayer songs, um, well, it is... Um, uh-huh. I don't care what you. Pe- I, I don't care what you people even think. You think it is one of your top three fa- favorite Slayer songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Why do you love it so much? Um, it's got absolutely everything that um, a song needs to have. Uh, it's got groove. It's got intensity. It's got heaviness. It's got beautiful melodies. Um, it's got atmosphere. It's got pace. It's got dynamics, mm.
0: um,
1: but not just in a box-ticking way. The kind of song that can only be written by a band at the absolute peak of their powers. Yeah, They're absolutely confident in everything they're trying to do and in their ability to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, we're going to
0: try this, and you know what, guys? We know mm. we can do it. Um, I think it's absolutely sensational, Doc. Let's get on with the lyrics. Welcome to part to part two point five of the show, um, which we call Evil Speak. Um, we're going to read through the lyrics and dissect them in general. Um, Doc, do you want to kick, kick off the first verse? Welcome to my world. involve yourself within my dream. Experience the life just like your mind thought not to be.
1: Welcome to my world, involve yourself within my dream. Experience a life just like your mind thought not to be. Take a look through time at pe- past or present wells to be. I rule this inferno enthroned for eternity.
0: Great, Doc, yeah. What do you think about these words? Um, is it just what it seems to be, which is just kind of like painting this... Um that kind of Dante-esque vision of hell? Is it as simple as that?
1: Um, I think it's even simpler than that. I don't yeah. think it's even anything as poetic as like, being 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 Dantean. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, like, after a good long time away from the supernatural topics at all, um, I think it's Slayer writing a song about Satan.
0: Well, that's really interesting you say that, Doc, because because I was thinking, you know, if we go back through like chronologically through their tracks in fact you know let, let, let's have a look here at our, at our kind of slaytanic vercast master folder so we can see like the, the track order um you know we've got like, blood Red, nothing supernatural there war ensemble no spill the blood anything there was, was that one
1: beer? i can't remember yeah so i i i i think it had um it's been a long time. Um, it's been since Raining Blood, since they have absolutely committed themselves to a whole entire track about an avowedly supernatural subject.
0: Well, I suppose, um, you know, the actual track Raining Blood um, is the last time they kind of got this got full, full in-your-face supernatural. I mean, Ghosts of War maybe, but... Th- but they're kind of cheating there, aren't they? Because you know that that, that is just full on riffing on their own cosmology, you know. So they're cheating a bit there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, you know, yeah. The last track about just literally about Slayer and Hell, and not Slayer and no, Hell, Satan and Hell. I think you're probably going all the way back to Hell awaits
1: the actual title track, are track one of their second album. Yeah, um, that's a distinct possibility. Mm. When we reviewed uh, um, the track, Raining the Blood, Mm. um, we didn't think there was anything supernatural about that. Um, It was only when we read uh, the the Slayer interview where they discuss it. Um, And oddly enough, they're the people who insist that it contains um, a supernatural component. Yeah, yeah. Um, We didn't think it did. And it's interesting because... As bands get a bit older, they try, generally speaking, do you not find that they they tend to downplay stuff that they feel a bit silly about nowadays? I don't understand why people should feel silly about writing songs about Satan.
0: No, 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 but you're quite right, you know, um, you know, as as kind of bands hit their kind of 30s and mid-30s, they, they, they do step away from the more kind of fantastical elements that they were writing about in their early 20s. There's no doubt about it. You know, they, they, they suddenly get a bit self-conscious, don't they, I think?
1: Well, it, it's something I've never quite understood. I What should we say? Um, I've studied history and philosophy as much as I could understand for as long as I can remember. So I... I don't necessarily associate philosophy and history and writing songs about philosophy and history as hallmarks of the mature. Mm-hmm. Um, and conversely, I don't consider writing songs about the occult and the devil mm-hmm. to be hallmarks of of of, of, uh, of the immature either. Mm-hmm. Um, question: Do Iron Maiden write songs about Satan anymore?
0: Oh, well, on their on their recent kind of offerings, you're talking about. Yeah, in the last ten years. Oh, I mean, I just couldn't. I couldn't really tell. I, I, I mean, certainly, their second. They had their co- their comeback album, which was Brave New World, and then the, the the album after that, which which I think is possibly my second favorite Maiden album of all, uh, wow. is, is, is is Dance of Dance of Dance of Death. Um, I always get confused because the, 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 the album—I think the album's called *Dance of Death*, and then the track, like the title track, called *Dancing with the Dead*. It, anyway, there's some there's some confusion with the name, like the *Raining Blood*, *Raining Blood* phenomena going on there. Uh, but uh, I, I think the album's called *Dance of Death*. <laughs> Is um, like a like a a, a peon to like, a paganistic fantasy of a man kind of wanders into a forest and encounters some kind of like nymph-like, weird kind of nymph-like creatures that are like dancing around a bonfire um, and like, in, fairy, like fairy, folk. fairy folk kind of things and like lure him in. Yeah. Um and and kind of kind of inculcate him into their into their ritual. And then at, at the end of it, he, he kind of fears for his life, and at the end of it, they kind of let him go. And he's not quite sure if if what he experienced was was real or not. Um, and, you know, very, very definitely paganistic, certainly, Satanistic. Well, I'm sure the Danny Mao would believe it to be Satanistic. Um so yeah i don't think that's i can't think on the last like, couple of albums but yeah i mean certainly post um getting back together kind of post blaze bailey yeah they've definitely touched on it for sure oh. but that was a really long way of saying yes wasn't it doc that was a really <laughs> long way of saying yes yes they have Doc. yes
1: they um have. <laughs> if i ask if I ask you a question that I must prepare yourself, prepare myself for what your answer is going to be, however long it takes. That's right, you um, going. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, the the thing you just mentioned, this happens a lot too, that people will have what I sometimes think of as like gloss songs or having a cake and eat it songs. So you write a song about, the, so I'm sure it's a great track, and I want to go and listen to it now. And I'm sure it, it is a great track. But People write songs like that so that they can kind of leave themselves the leaf of being able to say in interviews, ah, it's not actually about Satanism. Um, It's about this, um, it's it's, it's based on this actual um, existing work of Welsh mythology, um, which... We translated from the ancient Welsh or something like that.
0: Yeah, but I don't think made a, a, a pretentious cunt like that. I don't, I th- I think if you kind of ask them about that track, I'm pretty sure they would say it was kind of like, like deeply influenced by I don't know like like you know like, like James Herbert works like Magic Cottage and um you know the you know the more kind of fanciful fairy heavy James Herbert stuff basically.
1: Yeah, um, if they said that, um, I would have a great deal more respect for them than if they insisted it was based on like some actual Celtic legend. Um, Going back to this track, I think we've always admired Slayer for their obstreperousness. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an element, at least an element in this, um, of Slayer not going full-on retro, because that would be unendurably ironic, Mm -hmm. but just occasionally, they, 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 they like to remind you that they haven't completely forgotten their roots. Um, and even though their songs have moved more and more and more into the realm of the, um, the mundane mm-hmm. um, and the earthly, um, they still remember where they're coming from. And if they feel like writing a song about Satan, they're going to do it. Damn it.
0: Exactly, yeah Just for clarification By the way I've just looked up That Maiden album I don't know where I've got it from I'm wrong The album is called Dance of Death And the track is called Dance of Death I don't know why I thought there was Some confusion There is not It is very, very clear It's the same it, You know it, it, It's an album With a title track Let me hit you With a chorus, guys down the And you die. Deep in the heart Um, Coils of the serpent unwind, buried beneath you will find, deep in the halls of the damned, spirit in black till the end. It's, it's, It's a continuation of a theme, isn't it, Doc?
1: I don't see anything to make me retract my statement. My very, very sophisticated, deeply insightful statement that it's about Satan. It's about Satan.
0: I do love that line, coils of the serpent unwind. I mean,
1: beautiful, just a beautifully poetic image, basically. And, I mean, it it it, it embraces, um, a little like a constricting snake, mate. Um, it embraces and coils around so many dis- different aspects of, of, of human mythology. Um, and this is actually one I'm, I'm not even going to try and unpack uh, um, for myself it's got redolences of Hindu mythology and Christian mythology obviously um, the pagan mythology of three continents that I can think of um, it's if you like if we're looking for an extra cosmological dimension if, if you were to study the comparative mythology um, of the history of the human race and the whole entire world. And um, I think that's a common factor you could find in every single thing.
0: Mm hmm. Well,
1: um, Doc, H- can, you, can you expound? Um, the snake is a symbol of evil. Mm
0: hmm. But, the, the, um, but it, it, it's logical, isn't it? Do, 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 I mean, is this. Uh, is the snake used as a symbol of evil because it kind of invokes dreadiness when we see one or do they invoke dreadiness when we see one because they are used as symbols of evil you know kind of you know chicken and egg basically
1: um, I firmly believe that people's conception of animals um, comes from not race memories but um, learned experiences that people have had in the very, very early stages of humanity or the very, very early stages of human culture. Mm. Um, Unlike, let's say, leopards or jaguars or elephants or other dangerous animals, snakes have no coexistence with human beings on any terms other than hostility now, do they? Mm -hmm. Um, You're saying there's no
0: kind of... You know, no kind of symbiotic nature
1: at all. No for the in, snake. In in the very early stages of human development, before there were ever farmers, yeah, or anything like that, um, all animals were wild, and any yeah. wild animal has the potential to be dangerous. But sure. people domesticated wolves and turned them into dogs, people domesticated horses and turned them in and oxen and turned them into beasts of burden. Mm-hmm. Um people domesticated elephants for the sake and the the interaction between humans and animals sometimes has been more hostile than peaceful. Sometimes has been more peaceful than hostile. But there aren't many animals that human culture hasn't learned to have some sort of symbiotic relationship with. Mm-hmm. Snakes and spiders are the only broad group of animals I can think where the relationship has only ever been mutually hostile. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what about? Um, I and mean, I'm stretching here, I suppose. You you know, like,
0: like the snake charmers. Um, you know who kind of make a living, you know by, you know putting a cobra in a basket and and and, and playing a you know playing a flute and 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 making a, a fast buck out of tourists.
1: Um, I'm not convinced that you can call like um, animal cruelty anything approaching a symbiotic relation. I mean, no, 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 the fair point, you, doc. Yeah, no, no, that's a fair
0: point. Um, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. If you capture a cobra, if if you capture a cobra and pull its fangs out, um, yeah, and then starve it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's much symbiosis going on there.
0: No, you're right. No, you're right. It, 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 it's a real kind of imbalance of power. Yeah, I totally understand. No, no, no. Doc, I, I think you're dead right, Doc. Yeah, I think you're dead right. I, I, I can think of, of nothing to counter your argument. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to give us the next verse, my good man? Fear is to rock the Eyes
1: of the dead watching from
0: the living hall reflections your flesh way.
1: beyond the gates i'll take you where the blood forever rains. spirits damned to rot amidst the brimstone fireballs eyes of the dead watching from the living walls broken glass reflections show your fleshy turn away beyond the gates i'll take you where the blood forever reigns. right I, I mean, no, again, I mean, the, 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 these are difficult
0: um, lyrics, really, to, to to discuss in great detail, aren't they? Because it is it is just kind of uh, variations on a the theme, really. But that isn't in no way a criticism,
1: because I really, really do think these lyrics are are pretty fine, Doc. Um, the rest of the song um, has got a lot of repetition in it. Um, I think this verse is worth spending a few minutes on. Go on. Because um, th- there is quite a bit going on here. Um, I mentioned to you before, brimstone fireballs. Fireball is um, superficially um, a fairly hilarious concept. Um, it, it just makes you smile when you hear the word. I think it's worth pointing out that the, the fireball uh, um, is actually the correct expression um, in nuclear physics um, for the sphere of superheated plasma which is generated um, in the few thousandths of a second immediately following the fission reaction. Mm-hmm. So um, go to YouTube, pull up a bit of footage of an atom bomb going off. Sure. Um, and almost instantaneously, it's almost over before the camera can even get to it, you'll see a blue-white sphere um, about half a mile or a mile across that expands um, almost at the speed of light. From the point where the fission reaction occurs, and then it disappears almost immediately, Mm -hmm. Um, and then actually at that point, the the nuclear quote unquote explosion is actually over. And my understanding, you see after that.
0: Oh, sorry. My understanding is it was that very fireball that kind of caused those or created those intensely um, evocative kind of human silhouettes in Hiroshima.
1: Nagasaki. Yeah, um, the eyes of the dead washing from the living walls, quite literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of one of those weird phenomena in physics where at the absolute extremes of relativity, um, there is no difference between um, light and heat and speed and pressure. They're all actually the same thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's um, it's not like there's a wave of convected heat that comes off the fireball. The only thing that comes off the fireball um, is light, but it's so energetic um, that it, it when it's incident on an object, it manifests itself as heat and pressure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for that split second, um for that split second, you pretty much got the effect of a person being pressed um, in a very hot, very high pressure press against a brick wall, Um, very, very, very odd, very sort of very disturbing things to actually look at.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I don't know whether it's coincidence, um, but it looks as though some of the shadows, um, I suspect it's because the eyeballs vaporized and that part didn't cause a carbon shadow on the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the shadows look like they've got eyes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, just incredibly spooky. Anybody, anybody who's who's got no idea
0: what we're talking about, you know, and you know, brace yourselves because it's it is tremendously upsetting. But yeah, you know, yeah, you know, go to YouTube or or something similar and and do a bit of research. Yeah, you, you, you go and educate yourself. Um, yeah, it, it, it's Doc. You've got me all emotional. Anything else to say about these few lines, Doc?
1: Um, well, um, eyes of the dead watching from the living walls. It's assuming that we're not actually talking about the, the, the aftermath of the the couple of the, the, the one nuclear war that humanity has actually had. Um, I've just got to interject for a moment. Then um, I always find it amusing in a very bleak way. Um, when people talk about dot, dot, dot and the coal uh, and the cold war ended and there never was a nuclear Well, Yes, there was a nuclear war actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Don't like to talk about it. Mm. Um, uh, so apart from the, the, the mundanity of that, um, it, it, it's a classic horror image, isn't it? Uh, it, it? It's been used hundreds of thousands of times. I first came across it in my extreme youth on the cover of a book called The Wells of Hell, um, <laughs> which was um, on the, the bookshelf of the little newsagent shop. Um, that little newsagent agent shop, it, it it turns out was tremendously formative on very, very young me. Um but it had a great cover um of a sort of livid red demonic face leering out of something like the wall of a a, a coal mine, or something I I would say, um, with a, a piece of entrail or flesh or something like drooling out of its mouth, which had fangs and it mm. had slanty red eyes. Um and the, the rock strata were, were drawn to make it look like it had horns as well. And it was fantastic, and it scared the absolute daylights out of me when I was about four years old.
0: Ed, I'm going to tell you something, Doc, and I'm, 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 I'm kind of patting myself on the back here a little bit. When you said that the, the title, The Wells of Hell, I thought, well, that sounds like Graham Masterton. And I've just, and I've just as, as you're talking, typed it into Google, and guess what? The Wells of Hell is by <laughs> the one and only Graham Masterton. Wow! What a great reference! Have you back. read it, I've read, uh, probably. I've, 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 I mean, I've, re- I've read a good chunk of his of his stuff. I, my my favorite one was uh, one that I'm sure that Slayer would have read, which is called "The Devils of D-Day." Um, and the plot of "The Devils of D-Day" is about a an abandoned ta- a tank. Is a check this doc for a plot? A, a, a tank <laughs> is abandoned in rural France, like a a, a, a Nazi tank. It's ostensibly been destroyed. The shell of it is kind of abandoned where it was destroyed in rural France. And the the French government seal it up and and, and tell the local, don't go fucking near it, basically. And so the whole idea is that there's something like Nazi and a cult still inside that tank. It's absolutely awesome, Doc. The Devil's a D-Day. Anybody, um, anybody, honestly, it's about 180 pages long. Go read it. It's great.
1: There is not. There is, is there not. Um, a certain kind of wonk that you need in your brain to be a horror writer, which I greatly admire Yeah, um, and I can never yeah. pull off. Um, you've got to somehow have the brain which thinks to yourself, well, in the aftermath of a widespread and traumatic conflict, if an enemy tank had been left in place on the battlefield... What the government would do is <laughs> to weld all the hatches shut and That's then right. tell people not to go near.
0: That's it. Right. You're to me. Yeah, 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 Approche
1: pas, approche Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're um, right. You know, it, it, it sort of in, in in this mysterious parallel universe. Does the French army not have a corps of engineers? Do, do, do they do they not have the means to move this thing? Or, or <laughs> no, 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 um, no. It's far too dangerous. Far too dangerous to me. Just leave <laughs> or it it at least not. At least not to pile ten thousand tons of um, pit slag on top of it or that's something. Right. Oh, that's true. That's a very uh, good point. Uh, yeah, they just bury in concrete. Yes. What we're going to do is weld the hatches shut and then tell people not to go that's anywhere because right. that will right. work. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And the French are very obedient souls, aren't they? As we know, yeah, from their history. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, but. The French would never, for instance, do anything other than absolutely what their hereditary king told them at all times. Exactly. That's right. life confessions tell me who you used to be looking on in wonder as i show you it was me burning from within you know one spark is all it takes hear the piercing cries of all who found that hell awaits what
0: what do you make about this this kind of like self-referentiality that we get that, that we've got going on in this track because that, that, that's example number two isn't it um because in, in in the previous yes. verse, we've got where the blood forever Reigns, So obviously, referring to in blood, and now we've got you know who found the hell awaits. So you know, you know, so kind of re- referring back to their own works. Do you find that you know kind of like fan pleasing and charming, or do you find it egotistical
1: and incredibly narcissistic? Which way do you go? Um, I find it fan pleasing and charming. Yeah, I also fa- find. And it wholly in keeping with um, a piece which addresses the Slayer cosmology. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just see just see how pretentious I can get. Go on um, now. Do, um, do, do, it's uh, hang, on. hang on, Doc. You 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 talk. You tell me when you're
0: done, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a score out of ten.
1: All right. Um, within the Slayer cosmology, as compared to say the Christian cosmology. This is the equivalent of the passages of the New Testament, where Jesus makes explicit explicit references to, for instance, the building of Solomon's temple in the book of Solomon. He makes explicit references to prophecies that are revealed in the book of Ezekiel. Um, So essentially, it's Jesus um, legitimizing himself himself by referring explicitly to Hebrew prophecies that foretold the role that he is now fulfilling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's mm-hmm. the same as that.
0: Wow. Seven out of ten, Doc. Seven out of ten.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: and that's official. That's official. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I don't know. I, as a Slayer fan, I have no problem with this kind of fanboy-pleasing kind of stuff you know to to me it's like um i don't know if, if we refer to our kind of other our other podcast project uh, different dr sam old shit which covers dr who stuff you know it's a bit like you know the the the, the, the doctor's not unconscious or he's having some kind of fugue of some kind and suddenly you've kind of got myriad old enemies kind of appear before him and it's just pleasing to see like a drashig or you know, like a murker. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It 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 it's fun, isn't it? You know, it's it's just it's just fun.
1: You know, I think it works very very well. Um, in uh, there's there's a good reason that they put those bits in the Bible um, because to have a mythology refer to its own origins provides what uh, literary critics call solidity of specification. Um, it anchors the thing you're talking about at the moment. In the past and in the present at the same time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when you're tra- when, when you're attempting to establish a, a, a legendarium um, or a mythos, um, if you will, um, the most famous example, obviously, in horror fiction of this um, is H.P. Lovecraft's constant sideways references to um, the dreaded Necronomicon um, of the mad Arab Al- uh, uh, Abdul Al Hazred. Mm-hmm. Um you never get to the, the the Necronomicon never appears um in any of Lovecraft's work. He never quotes anything from it. Sure. And obviously he never wrote any of it down himself. And you know uh-huh. why, don't he?
0: Uh, well, well, because surely if you were to read such words,
1: you would you would you would you would be driven insane, would you not? Yeah. You would go mad. Absolutely um, correct. Which is why HP, um which is why even though and the conclusion you're constantly drawn to and i think many people have believed that it was a real book and that hp lovecraft possesses a copy and he's drawing on it for inspiration for his own work mm-hmm. um, but he he won't transcribe any of it or use any words for the necronomicon because um, if you read it you would become mad but no but doc, it, 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 I,
0: don't, I literally don't know what you're talking about because i've seen the documentary About the (laughs) neck, I think. What was the name of the documentary maker? I think it was Sam Raimi. Um, Yeah. And and, and, uh, his documentary, The Evil Dead Doc, what the fuck are you talking about, sir? what happens to her she's your girlfriend you take care of her
1: I happen to know because um I mean I if I actually look at if I actually look at my, my necronomicon right yeah. here yeah. and the doc's holding um, one up by the way uh if I actually look look at my um personal copy of of, of the necronomicon um which um I bought um for 10 pounds um in a market um in Morocco and the guy who sold it to me he he swore blind he said this is no honestly this is a copy of the real Necronomicon. I mean, like he he had such an honest face. Why would I not believe? Him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, if I consult my my, my personal pro- uh, my personal copy of the Necronomicon, uh, once again, I can't say the real words in this podcast. But that phrase, "Kandar Mantos," sure, sure. Um, it's been subtly it's been subtly altered. Hmm. Um, the words it's been altered from would actually cause you to go mad if I spoke them now. Now um, you, whereas Doc, are the ca- only
0: per- you, Doc, are the only person I know who owns a, a genuine copy of the Necronomicon and a genuine example of the Lament Configuration. Doc. how the fuck are you still, how the fuck are you still extant? I don't understand.
1: Um, you, you have to read the one whilst solving the other. Mm. It's and, as simple as that. If ever you get
0: hold of all seven swords of Megiddo, the world he really, is in, <laughs> <trouble>. <laughs> world
1: really um, is in trouble. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen because my mom choked one of them in the canal. <laughs> it's never be exactly. Thank God for that. Thank God for your mom. Um,
0: <laughs> Last verse, guys. To my voice feed me all your hatred empty all your thoughts to
1: me i can feel your emptiness
0: living nightmare can't you see you really have no choice faded memories haunt you listen closely to my voice feed me all your hatred empty all your thoughts to me I can fill your emptiness with immortality and then we get that awesome Kerry King solo incidentally by the way after that last fucking that last line there we go doc yeah oh, you know um, I've got nothing to say doc it's it's more of the same i great 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 but more of the same
1: um let's look at these words after life confessions tell me who you used to be mm-hmm. um I'm interested in this because I'm, I'm interested in the history of mankind's relationship with Satan and what throughout history, what people have, have thought that Satan is. I assume this is fairly widely known. I didn't realize until I was much older than I should have been. Um, but Satan isn't really in the Bible at all. No. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's in the book of Job, um, which is... One of the most appalling things you can ever read because it's sure. basically an account of God and Satan go out on the piss one night and while they're staggering home, God goes, Hey, you know what, be a laugh? You know what, be a laugh? We'll pick on the most pious, God-fearing man in the world, the one man possibly in the world who has selflessly devoted himself to worshiping me and will fuck his life up. Mm-hmm. Won't that be a laugh? Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think after reading it the only conclusion that most people can come to is that um, actually god comes off as a lot worse than satan in that uh, in that particular episode um so i'm i'm interested in in, in the sort of history of, of, of what we know about the devil and where it comes from um Shaitan is one of many many false gods who the hebrews are instructed to stop worshiping um, along with um, Dagon and Ra and um, uh, Set, I assume. Um, And he he doesn't really crop up that much in Christian mythology. And Satan by name or even by recognizable appearance isn't even in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the great beast um, who... I don't think is actually Satan. Um, the great beast, as far as I can see, is just capitalism, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so you have this line here, afterlife confessions, tell me who you used to be. Now, if Satan was a god, if, Sa- if Satan was an immensely powerful supernatural being, uh, wouldn't he know that? Mm-hmm. Um, why would why, why would the devil be asking you uh, so now it's time to make your afterlife confessions. Um, why would Satan be asking you um, who you used to be? Yeah, but,
0: but there's another line in, 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 the, in, in the following verse, which, which, which you can kind of ask the same question about. Feed me all your hatred. Empty all your thoughts to me. Like, you know, and so what? You know, why would this kind of Satan creature not not already know all of their thoughts?
1: So here are some of the possibilities. Yeah. Um, Satan is a, a being um, very much less powerful um, than God. Um, He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. Um, It's certainly one kind of Christian thought that um, Satan, in his guise as the tempter, who may or may not be the person who pops up to tempt Jesus Christ when he's doing his meditation in the wilderness, um, is a servant of God. And... Um, in which case, why is he hearing afterlife confessions? Um, Mm -hmm. Is that one of his jobs? Mm -hmm. Um, And if he's a servant of God, he appears to be taking a greatly free hand in what he's doing here. Um, Burning from within, you know one spark is all it takes. Hear the piercing cries of all who found that hell awaits. Mm -hmm. Um, So those who um, uh, hear the piercing cries of all who found that hell awaits. Um, is this an explicit denial of there being any heaven?
0: Not, I think that's semantics, you know. But all that found that hell awaits doesn't, does not preclude the fact that, you know, that the, the, there are multitudes in heaven too. You know, all that go to Old Trafford does not negate the fact that many go
1: to Villa Park. You know what I mean? Um, where's the comma in your copy of the lyrics? Because in my copy, uh, the comma is definitely after the word all. The, 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 there is no comma in mine. It, it, it's a line break. OK, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I'll concede to you then that it, it, it's it's possibly me uh, toying with, sem- uh, uh, with semantics. Mm-hmm. There's clearly a comma here. So the emphasis is hear the piercing cries of all. Who found the oh, sure. all
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah. If there's a comma there, then it, 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 you're right. It, it does change, but so, so so it is semantics, isn't it? You know it, it, that, that you know each shoots and leaves basically. It's that kind of you know you know the the, the, the yeah. placement of the comma is really really important sometimes, isn't it?
1: Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I just found those couple of little rhyming couplets um, really really interesting, mm. um, and I'm always keen. To dig into anything that enhances my my knowledge or understanding of, of of the Slayer cosmology. Sure, yeah, yeah. I've got I've got to say,
0: Doc. You know, the, I mean, the, these lyrics are written by Kerry King, and you know, we, 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 you know, we, we've made we've made great um, kind of banter based on the you know the the, the, the talent or or, or or absence of of Kerry when it comes to the pen. Certainly not certainly not with a plectrum, but you know, with a pen. Um, But here, he really does seem to have kind of lifted his game. There's an elevation here. Something's happened.
1: This is a cut above anything that he's written before. Kerry has always had a grasp of the concept of illusion and illusion. He's always had a grasp of the concept that you should use poetry to say the unsayable, which is to use the sound of words and the rhythm of words and the shape of words to say more than you can merely with prose. He's always understood that, which is the most difficult part to understand about poetry. The part where he's always come unstuck and, and badly is the final step of actually writing good poetry.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but this um, time, somehow, he's it, it absolutely nailed it. And, and maybe, you know, this is going to be the, the case from this point forward. Now, it's an interesting thing, Doc. I... I... I, I I listened to I can't remember, I, I can't remember if I listened to or read quite a candid interview with him where he was talking about the fact that the um, South of heaven he 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 went through like a real period of like writer's block and he was struggling to write lyrics he was struggling to write riffs um, and he's very open about it and says you know you know thank God for Jeff Bass. he kind of carried he carried the band at this point in terms of the guitar work um, and 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 so maybe. You know, the, 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 this is kind of the, the, the re-emergence space. you know, once that, that blockage has been cleared, maybe this is, you know, the, the butterfly emerging from the chrysalis, and, and, and maybe this will be the Kerry we will see from this point forward. I certainly bloody hope so, Doc, because this is a vast improvement.
1: I've got a question for you. You're more of a, you're, you're more of a writer than I am. Um, you've written more than I have. Um, I've encountered... What I'm going to call engineers' block, mm. um, which is I'm trying to come up with a cool new idea, and I can't think of one. And my experience when I when I get over it eventually, my experience looking back on the looking back on what happened to me because you try to think well you try to think well. Thank God I'm over it, but what the hell happened to me back then? Mm-hmm. And inevitably, it's when I become conscious of being dissatisfied with my own ability. Mm-hmm. At that point, what it yeah. usually takes is some wood So I have to go and study some stuff, or I have to do something to get myself to the next level. Um, have you ever had that experience when you have experienced writer's block?
0: I mean, certainly, um, you know, I think anybody creative um, goes through these periods, and it, it, I, I think it's you kind of become almost like self absorbed and. You know, just so so self-critical that nothing is good enough, basically, and you just kind of have to yeah, teach yourself so. to. You, you just kind of have to teach yourself to shrug your shoulders. Well, you know, that's the best time at, at this point in time. That's the best thing that I can produce, and you just kind of have to shrug your shoulders and, and just walk away, basically. And you, you you kind of have to teach yourself the discipline of, you know, you know, that's enough. That's enough. But, you know, i will put enough time into this. It's it's not going to get any better, and in fact. I'm just going to make it worse, so
1: walk away um, but if you've ever had writer's block, let's say to the point that you've actually not written for some time, maybe some mm-hmm. months or maybe even some years um when the urge comes upon you again, um, I suppose what not what I want you to say is what I'm curious about is when you have writer's block and you leave it alone for a little while, when you come back, do you find that your notice will be better
0: well um, it, 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 it it, it, it's so difficult to say isn't it you know because then you're kind of judging your own work through the eyes of your own audience really um I certainly feel that every time I've had a period of absence from writing you know like my next two or three stories are are certainly better than anything I've done before um yeah. and it, 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 it's it's almost like a, like a, you know you know like like a like a buildup of fluids basically that, that, that just has to be splurged in some way um <laughs> you know and and, and but and, and <clears throat> it's it's it, it it's a troubling time you know if if you kind of you know for your own kind of mental health rely on being able to create stuff it, it, it is quite upsetting um and all you can do i think is just stop kind of you know just, just don't beat yourself up and don't you know don't be too self critical and even if even if the thing that you that you write next to is not quite as good as what went before it just doesn't matter you know it, it it that's the best you can do at that point in time and 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 so that's good enough you know
1: and in your opinion how does skill with words so lyrics and prose and poetry um how does that respond to practice do you think that is a muscular process yeah, do you think you can practice yourself better yeah no i really do I th- you, you know just as with anything really
0: you, just the more you do it the easier it becomes you know you're just kind of opening opening up those kind of neural pathways to your yeah. kind of lexi- to your lexicon basically um so you know it's also i don't know almost kind of through through repetition it it becomes easier to kind of enter that you know that mystical mythical zone basically you know where where you're just kind of hacking away at the keyboard and you know this, this stuff is just kind of spunking out of you from somewhere and you've got no no fucking idea where it's coming from but but it's there you know um it's it's that kind of stream of consciousness kind of thing that to try and explain it is is almost impossible isn't it but when you hit that when you hit that zone you know that every word that's coming out of you is, is is of a decent quality and the more the more times you do it the more frequently you hit that zone and so the easier it becomes sure I suppose it's a bit like um, uh, something like tantric sex. I imagine I imagine Sting would kind of have a similar conversation with you about his kind of tantric sex exploits, you know?
1: Well, uh, I suppose practitioners of that kind of thing would say, like, that's the precise midpoint of athleticism and poetry, wouldn't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely correct, Doc. Absolutely
1: correct. I am... Um, Moved and touched by these lyrics. And the reason Mm. is that one of the things I enjoy most in the world is watching someone trying really hard and getting better at what it is that they do. Mm. Mm. Um, We have mercilessly mocked Kerry in the past. um, And I, I don't back down from any of that at all, ever. Because most of the stuff that we've really got stuck into a lot of that stuff could have been massively improved by just a couple more rewrites. honestly. A lot of the mm-hmm. most embarrassing Kerry King moments are, uh, they're the result of that'll do, aren't they?
0: Well, you, you know, I mean, two or three of them, to me, struck me. And, and why I don't really feel bad about, you know, kind of taking the pee, you know, two or three of them were, were, were so awful, that if if you just simply read them out loud, you would have realised they were not good enough when you were you know kind of when you were writing them, um, and, and 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 you know Tom's culpable too because he should have refused to to sing the fucking words. But anyway, we we we're getting massively sidetracked here, Doc. um
1: I don't think we are. I think it's a really important point, and it could be one of those apocal moments. Um, the exact moment when Kerry King got really, really good at writing yeah. lyrics.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I certainly hope so. I, I, from this point forward, I, I think up to this album, I kind of had a vague idea of who wrote what. That I wasn't always accurate, I wasn't always correct, but I kind of had a vague idea. Um, I think maybe the next album, that's true as well. But after that, I must be honest, you know, from Diabolos onwards, I've got. I, I, I have no idea you know who writes which tracks um so it's going to be really really interesting to you know to see um kind of how they how they
1: divvy it up basically now that kerry has got good and more Mm -hmm. power to him for that um in the next in, in one or two of the next episodes um i want to have a mini project which is revisiting kerry king's worst moments of infamy
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, that's gonna, that would take a, a huge amount of work, though, Doc, because we we need to remember, you know, we, we kind of need to reread all of the past Kerry King lyrics to discover where we <laughs> were mocking previously. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. All power to you, Doc. I if you want to do out that, out mate, get on with it.
1: Um, I think I'll stick out a yard.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are we done with
1: the lyrics, Doc? What do you think? Yeah we are, I think yeah, um, yeah. We've We've salvaged something from our disappointment uh, mm. We've managed to find Rather terrifyingly Despite losing two hours Of commentary on Spirit and Black We've managed to come up with another One hour of oh, commentary no. About Spirit in Black yeah, We're not quite done yet, don't forget
0: <laughs> Welcome to part 2.75 Of, 2. of Sleight Vercast. Um Here, we're just going to offer our final thoughts and summations and discuss anything we might have missed along the way. We're not really going to do that this time. Um, Writing credits for this track. um, Music by Jeff Hanneman. Lyrics by Kerry King. According to Setlist, this was played 402 times, putting it in joint... Twenty-fourth position. Uh, first play was at a place called The Chance in Poughkeepsie on the seventh of September nineteen ninety. The last play was on the twenty-fourth of June. Um, I've got no date. I've got no year there, Doc. Oh, I can't be bothered. Doesn't matter. Um, at a place called Copenhagen, and I presume that's a festival in Denmark. Um, yeah, makes it, sense. It makes sense, doesn't it? Copenhagen. I couldn't loud wire. Here's what they say. Um, They put Spirit in Black in 26th position overall. Um, Here's what they say. Before they extended thrash goalposts and laid out the blueprint for death metal, Slayer were a band who weren't shy about their influences. On Spirit in Black, we get a sense of where their blistering speed was rooted with punk-addled riffing. It's still marked by angular lead playing and incisive melodies as Tomarea bids you entry into his sulfurous, underworld dwelling. I think it's really nice to written, but I don't really agree with what they're saying. Um, the punk stuff, it's more Venom to me, but I suppose Venom. Yeah, okay, go on. And, 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 and talking about Tom bidding you entry. Yeah, but he didn't, he didn't write the fucking words, did he? But anyway, you know, I'm nitpicking. <laughs> um, you know, um, any final thoughts, Doc, before we kind of drop our, before we drop our scores?
1: No, I'm all done. Um, doing... I didn't particularly agree with that either. No, um, but I—I um, I think we've said enough.
0: Yeah, fair enough, Doc. I—I um, well, th- I mean, I think I know the answer,
1: but how many swords is this game? Oh, ten. Oh, I did, did ten you... liquescent swords. Ten liquescent swords out of ten.
0: Um, and yeah. Yeah, same for me, to be honest. It—it it, it is ten moldering. Most schools out of 10, it's just undoubted, isn't it, basically? Um, All right, that about does it for this episode. Um, Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slaytanicverkast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be talking about track four from Seasons in the Abyss, which is, of course, Expendable Youth. See you there, Doc.
1: See you later. Bye-bye.